welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Welcome, everybody. My name is Tom Masters, and I'm the host for Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And we have Dr. Hanscom with us tonight. Welcome. Thank you. And we're going to, the topic of tonight's show is anxiety, anger, and adrenaline. And uh, as I understand it, Dr. Hanscom, we're going to be talking about how those interplay with chronic pain. And could you kind of give us an overview for that? Yeah, I mean, I think this concept is actually the core of the entire back and control project. And it's really, so I've, writ, I've written two editions of the book. The first edition was based on my personal experience in, in watching patients get better. But I didn't really understand the neuroscience of pain. I also didn't understand the biochemistry of pain. And it turns out that anxiety is actually just a chemical reaction to the environment. The common trend in medicine is to teach anxiety is primarily a psychological issue. But what it is, it's a survival mechanism. mechanism. In other words, it's a neurochemical response to a threat that precipitates a survival action and problem solve, anxiety drops. So was a mental threat or a physical threat, your body secretes stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, histamines, and your body goes on high alert. Your nervous system gets sensitized, your muscles get tight, you take evasive action. But what happens is when you get that chemical surge, you feel anxious. So it turns out anxiety is simply that feeling generated by the stress chemicals, which are precipitated by a threat. So what happens is that the antidote to anxiety is control. In other words, something creates anxiety. If you don't pay attention to the environmental cues, of course, you don't survive. So it turns out really survival of the most anxious more than survival of the most fittest. So by definition, the species that survived millions of years, homo sapiens that are currently here, have a legacy of anxiety to survive. So you can't get rid of anxiety. It's a survival emotion. The reason why it's just such a critical concept is this survival response is, is a million times stronger than the conscious brain. It's a million to one mismatch. So it's a reaction to the environment. It's a neurochemical response. It is not primarily psychological. So what happens if you are threatened by something physical Again, you take a piece of action, problem solved, chemical reaction goes down. Humans have a problem is that we have thoughts and concepts create the same chemical reaction that a physical threat does, but humans can't escape their thoughts. So what happens you end up with a sustained adrenaline cortisol response. Your whole body stays sensitized and fired up. And when you're trapped by anything, whether it's money, relationships, job, pain, anxiety, your body secretes more adrenaline and cortisol as a survival mechanism to escape, and you get angry. So anger is the body's attempt to regain control of the situation that you've lost control of to survive. So basically, anxiety and anger are the same thing. So anger is simply anxiety with a chemical kick. Again, not subject to rational control. So we may be, in some sense, I mean, because of the strength of the un, this unconscious reaction, 
to the need for survival, we may be reacting in ways that um, we we don't even become aware of when they when it first starts. It sounds like it, that that this anger may be building, or this anxiety may be building uh, already before we even become aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I my came from a very difficult family situation, basically abusive. And anxiety and anger were sort of the environment I was raised in. So first of all, I thought that was normal. I didn't realize it wasn't normal. And we know two-thirds of American are, I mean, at least a third for sure, are raised in relatively difficult family situations that are quite chaotic. And given that's your baseline, you don't even realize that you're anxious or angry because that's just what you do. And so it wasn't until I was like 38 years old that I was even aware I had anxiety. I was just sort of going 1,000 miles an hour to cover it up. And you can't get rid of it. In other words, if you didn't have anxiety, you wouldn't survive. If you were hungry and weren't anxious to find food, you wouldn't eat and you wouldn't survive, say, with air, food, and water. So anxiety is a survival response that you can't control. So the problem is when you try to control, say you have anxiety, people don't like having, don't like having anxiety, so they suppress it. And that's what I do is a master of suppressing things. That's why I became a major spine surgeon. I was able to suppress anxiety, just go plowing 400 miles an hour, even faster. And my attitude was bring it on. I can take on anything, bring it on. That's my identity was being tough, being resilient, et cetera. And what I was doing, I was actually just incredibly becoming masterful at suppressing anxiety. Well, while I was doing that, when you suppress your thoughts, suppress things that cause anxiety, your, your body chemistry goes to the roof. So at the same time, I wasn't feeling anxiety. I was having migraine headaches, ringing in my ears, burning in my feet, insomnia. Then the anxiety broke through. Then I developed a severe depression, PTSD. So when you have a sustained adrenaline assault and you're anxious and frustrated and angry, you start getting sick. There's actually over 30 physical symptoms that occur from a constantly adrenalized nervous system and so I had 17 of them at the same time and I just mentioned a couple of them but um, for instance the adrenaline and cortisol shut down the blood supply to the frontal lobe of the brain and so then when you relax a little bit they expand and bam you have a migraine or these chemicals create muscle tension and you have a tension headache neck pain back pain whatever you want to call it um, I used to have crushing chest pain, didn't know where I came from. People get tendonitis. I had tennis elbow. I had plantar fasciitis. I had uh, patellar tendonitis. And what happens is that when you have sustained chemical assault, again, your histamine levels go up, and you have an all overreactive immune system, and so you get inflammatory responses all over your body. Um, I had these migratory skin rashes that would pop up. Again, your histamine levels are off. So these skin rashes would show up on either both elbows or both wrists or both knees. I'd have a burning sensation for about five minutes before they showed up. Then I'd have about 15 to 20 minutes of this crazy rash, maybe about the size of a silver dollar, go away. Um, same thing with the ringing in my ears. I started with ringing in my ears around 20 years ago. It's incredibly annoying symptoms. I, um, saw, I saw ENT doctors. I do have a hearing loss from construction work. So I had all these explanations about this hearing loss and how the body was filling in the gap with this ringing sensation. So I thought I was actually going to have a ringing in my ears the rest of my life. I mean, it's really, really annoying. It's one of the worst symptoms I've ever experienced. 
is gone. I never remotely expected the rain, rain to go away. What happens, again, when you're under sustained chemical assault, you've doubled the conduction of the nerves. So you start developing sensory experiences that you wouldn't ordinarily have because the nerve conduction is doubled. As you optimize the body's chemistry and the nerve conduction improves, symptoms go away. So if, for instance, the ringing in the ears, as my body chemistry has calmed down, I, I would say dramatically, no ringing. Now, my ears are sensitive, so if I go into a concert hall or around music, or even on an airplane, I always carry earplugs with me, but I never remotely ever considered that I would be spending every day the rest of my life with some type of ringing in my ears. So the reason why it sounds a little bit crazy, because I had 17 symptoms at the same time, they're all gone. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, what happens is that each organ system, you know, your, your entire body is bathed in this chemical environment. And then each organ system is going to respond in its own way. So, for instance, adrenaline dilates the respiratory airways, the bronchioles. It decreases the blood supply to the stomach and bowel, so irritable bowel. It decreases the blood supply to the bladder, hence irritable bladder. It increases the nerve conduction, hence ringing in the ears, burning sensations around the body. I used to have tremendous burning in my feet. And um, so, again, each organ can respond in its own unique way. That's why we have this sustained adrenaline assault where you, you develop all these different physical symptoms. So you, so a patient could have a, a variety of different symptoms that they think are are completely unrelated that are related to the fact that they have an over-adrenalized nervous system that's wreaking havoc with their immune system. Right. I mean, I also remember, this one's been a little bit more subtle, but I also was, was in Sun Valley for four years, and I was really the worst part of my whole chronic pain situation. Um, I developed hay fever, or tremendous allergies to the springtime stuff. I thought, oh, well, this is just a stage. Again, I would suffer through it, no big deal. And those have been gone. Those have been gone for years. I haven't had allergies for probably at least 10 years. Um, there's some ways to calm down the nervous system. For instance, there's this exercise called expressive writing, which should be write down your thoughts on a piece of paper and tear them up. They've actually documented that your skin heals faster with expressive writing. Asthma resolves with expressive writing. Um, I don't think my wife minds relating this story, but she'll get intermittent asthma that's pretty severe, being on pretty high dose medications to solve it. And she, I mean, both of us have a hard time believing this, but she gets back to her writing relaxation exercises. Asthma goes away. So that's been documented in research that asthma symptoms resolve with the simple expressive writing tool. There's a huge study out of Sweden that came out a couple of months ago in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They had a registry of on over 330,000 patients, a huge national registry. And they looked at people under chronic stress, they looked at people that seemed to have a reasonable response to stress. Then they looked at siblings of people that were under stress. And they found out there's a very strong link between chronic stress and autoimmune disorders, meaning irritable, meaning Crohn's disease, um, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, even multiple sclerosis considered maybe possibly an autoimmune disorder, rheumatoid arthritis. So you have all these autoimmune disorders are actually now distinctly linked in a huge prospective study linking stress to these autoimmune disorders. But again, you've changed your body's immune response with this change in body chemistry. 
So this is a, a I mean, this sounds like it goes uh, even well beyond uh, chronic pain. It, it's anything that, that any kind of stress that drives your, over causes your nervous system to be over-adrenalized. And chronic pain is just well, one of those drivers. Yeah, I sort of like to change the difference of chronic pain a little bit. I don't know if people are following this one, but so if you're ringing in your ears, I mean, it's not exactly painful, but it's unpleasant, right? These in, mm-hmm. these skin rashes pop up, they, they itch and they burn a little bit, but they're not really painful. Um, the migraine headaches, of course, are real pain and muscle pain and back pain. Um, tendonitis is very painful. Um, but it turns out, actually, the biggest problem is the mental pain, that people have all these physical symptoms. And so I wrote a website post called Mental Pain Versus Physical Pain, which is more important. So, again, it turned out that mental pain is process. I'm sorry, a mental threat is processed in a similar manner to a physical threat. Again, you get the survival chemical response that's sustained, and then you get these physical symptoms. So it turns out that the mental pain is actually a bigger problem than the physical pain because you put your hand over a hot stove, you take your hand away, problem solved, right? The problem with the mental pain is that the humans can't escape their thoughts. So again, that translates into very significant physical symptoms based on the change in the body's chemistry. So the issue, so this has tremendous implications for mental health, where, again, you have the threat, the chemical reaction, the chemical response, anxiety simply the chemical, sorry, anxiety simply the sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals. As you use tools to increase the stress chemicals, anxiety goes away. If you try treating it psychologically against a million to one ratio, so you have no chance. So the more you talk about your anxiety, try to solve it intellectually, it just makes it worse. You have no chance of solving it. So that's where you just use tools like mindfulness, relaxation, writing, forgiveness, all sorts of different tools you take to calm down the body's stress chemicals. The physical symptoms start to disappear. But things like obsessive thought patterns, eating issues, body image disorders, anxiety, depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, those symptoms disappear also. So I'm not sure the right word, but when we think of pain as something like hot, cold, sharp, dull, but it's really that mental pain or that mental threat that really, really frustrates people. And again, once you... so. Again, these physical symptoms are really just a whole cluster around an adrenalized nervous system. And again, I'm not sure the total terminology of it for it, but really it's the mental pain that really is the biggest problem here. We also know that if you're in chronic pain, that the lifespan of people in chronic pain is about seven years shorter than the average lifespan. It has a significant impact on people's um, lifespan. We know there's a higher incidence of heart disease, um, hypertension, and obesity in people that are in chronic pain. And so... Again, is a sustained anxiety, sustained stress that creates this problem. So again, this is a neurochemical response that is not primary psychological problem. The problem in medicine right now is that we keep trying to treat chronic pain as a psychological issue, and it doesn't work. It doesn't come close to working. So again, there's a, a field called somatic psychotherapy, which is now emerging in a pretty big way. And there's major centers that are using what's called acceptance commitment therapy, where you just use techniques like biofeedback, medical hypnosis, acupuncture, chiropractic, massage to start calming down the body's nervous system. 
and the results are pretty remarkable, very consistent. So, in a in a way, uh, these this calming down these these techniques that are used to calm down uh, the nervous system can actually be a better solution than a lot of the as you mentioned talk therapies or other uh, physical therapies or medications that are typically prescribed to patients for these these conditions. Right. I mean, I will say, for instance, talk therapy is actually very helpful. But the talk therapy helps move you forward and calm you down. That's one thing. There's a tendency in talk therapy to talk about the pain and analyze and understand it, which actually is counterproductive. So, again, it depends on the type of talk therapy that you're talking about. Same thing with physical therapy. It can help in the context of the whole process. But, again, by itself, probably not going to solve the problem. So, Things like light touch massage, medium massage, things that can just simply calm down the body um, can make a big difference. But if you think about this carefully, think about being chronically stressed with these stress chemicals. It's unpleasant for all of us. And by the way, this is 100%. This is universal. Any person that's alive has anxiety. Now, if you're not feeling anxious, I'm not anxious. First of all, I don't believe them. Second of all, they may not be connected to it. They really may not be feeling anxiety. But guess what? They're in my office in pain. But the final, the final thing I say, I, I go, well, what about the pain? I mean, isn't that enough? And that's a pretty big stress. So mm-hmm. being trapped by pain is one of the most unpleasant experiences that human experiences. And that in and of itself is just a huge stress. And so if you think about that chronically stressed nervous system, why you have a situation where you're sustained adrenaline response, you're going to feel anxious and nervous and on edge, which your body is supposed to do, versus if you're relaxed and at play, your body is full of oxytocin, the love drug, dopamine, the reward chemical, serotonin, which is an antidepressant, and then what's called the GABA drugs, which are very similar to Valium and Xanax, that help you relax. So you have this incredible chemical pull when you're relaxed, that changes the entire sense of well-being in your body's chemistry and nerve conduction versus a wired, hyper-alert nervous system, which you're on edge with. And, yeah, you feel pain more. You're supposed to do that. That's how we survive. So the key issue, I think, for tonight is understanding that anxiety and anger are actually the same thing. Anger is anxiety with a chemical kick. And when it's sustained, it starts creating physical symptoms because these hormones are very powerful Every cell in the body is affected by this chemical bath. That's why there's so many different physical symptoms that occur from the sustained um, adverse chemical environment. Well, this is uh, this has uh, been quite enlightening. I think uh, to know that that an overadrenalized ner- nervous system, however that comes about, whether it's driven by pain or other stresses in life, can really uh, manifest in a whole variety of seemingly very different physical symptoms, but they're all they all have the same root driver, if you will. Right. Yeah. No, it's been we've had the best time with this. I mean, the fun part in the clinic is that people's anxiety drops, creativity comes back, family relationships improve, quality of life improves, sense of well-being improves, pain drops. I mean, it's really been a really rewarding process because once you're, once people understand this whole chemical link to physical symptoms you just start instinctively figuring this thing out. So pretty quickly within two to four weeks after people start the process, they can really see the link between stress and increased pain 
it's very it becomes very clear pretty quickly. And so yeah, it's been it's just that awareness is, is a big starting point. And are there uh once uh once you see a patient and their nervous system has calmed down, do you have um things that you recommend that they do that can increase the the um the play chemicals or the you know the relaxation chemicals, the well being chemicals, if you will? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of tools to the two sides of the equation. I mean, you first of all find ways to sort of de dedralize the nervous system, and then there's different strategies you use, which we'll talk about in a whole separate. I think we should talk about it in a separate um, podcast about play pathways and how to really create that long term. Because yeah, you always will be triggered. You're always going to fail, but you always have a choice of actually becoming aware that you're in a triggered state physically. And then you actually get to choose a different response and you, you start reframing lots of different things. So you're not secreting stress chemicals all the time. You're secreting more of the enjoyable chemicals. So, but, but yeah, that's the essence of the whole process is learning how to auto-regulate your own body's chemistry. Well, it's exciting to know that this is something that uh, patients can, or that we, I, I guess, as a healthcare consumers can not only become aware of, but actually, um, empower ourselves to do to, to get better health. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's been really a lot of fun to watch this, to watch this take place. Well, Dr. Hanscom, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the show uh, this week. Uh, this has been really, uh, really helpful, I think, understanding that connection between the over-adrenalized nervous system and stress and what that can do to your, your body and how you can you can work to calm that down. And we'll look forward to another episode next week. And I'm really looking forward to talking more about those uh, the, the the happy chemicals that we can uh, help right. generate. <laughs> yep. You have a so, choice of generating those too. And we'd like to uh, thank our listeners for joining us tonight. And remember to uh, join us next Wednesday at 5 p.m. for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for listening today. And join us next week for Back in Control Radio.